This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can show your support on patreon.com slash toadsanime and get four early episodes a month for just a few bucks. Plus it helps Ryan buy Digimon toys. Alternatively, spend it on something more important. Hello and welcome to another episode of Toad on Games. The podcast about toads and games. I don't talk about toads very often, they're kind of a boring animal, but I definitely talk about games quite a lot. Um, <laughs> with me today, I have Rob. Say hello. 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 There he did it. He said hello. That's what you asked for. Job. That's what he asked, that's what he did. Um, <laughs> so um, do you want to kind of introduce who you are and what you do, um, or at least tell us about Clive and Wrench? Uh, yep. So as you said, my name's uh, Rob. I am... The studio Dinosaur Bites, and I'm working on the, the 3D platform at Clive and Wrench, uh, which does also feature toads. So there oh, are toads oh. in this game. So we're on top. There we go. That's it. Finally, f- the first episode after 20 something episodes, finally, we're talking about toads. Maybe. It's happened. I knew it would happen. Um, I guess, full disclosure, um, I previously worked at Numskull Games and was handling PR for this game. Um, I'm obviously not there anymore. I'm legitimately excited about Clive and Wrench, always was. Um, I was really, really, really hyped when it came to the door and I played it. Um, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of 3D platformers in general, um, which I assume you are as well. Absolutely. And it's, it's really cool that, that that's one of the things that you're, you, know, you were most excited for. That's cool. I really was. Yeah, it's so, it's. It's genuinely when I when I when I left for a, for another job, it was like the one thing I was like, ah, oh, I didn't get to see that. I didn't get to see through the Climbing Wrench launch because um, it's just it's just so fun to work on, man. Like it's just even from the PR end, it's just it's colourful and it's exciting and it's the kind of game that I really love. Um, and of course, Numskull Games are doing a physical copy, and I'm really passionate about physical games. Yeah, you um, and me both. Yeah, and and the and the box art of that looks amazing. And yeah, it just looks like a genuinely amazing little package. Um, even though I'm not there anymore, I definitely will need to be picking it up. Um, it just looks bloody brilliant. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased that there's going to be a physical release of it um, immediately as well. Like that's that's sick. You don't really see that even even though we're living through, I'd say, a bit of a 3D platformer resurgence. Physical releases of them is still not something on the forefront of people's minds. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's that one of those sad facts that physical releases of any game seems to be on the downward spiral so yeah that's yeah it's one it's... of the big reasons i took the opportunity to you know to approach numskull in the first place was because you know if i can have the game physical then that's ideal like i want to one of my biggest dreams with the game is to be able to give people that same feeling i got when i was in the back of the car driving home with my copy of like Spyro in my hands, reading the manual and I can't wait to play this when I get home. Uh, so if I can, if I can inspire that in one person, I can die happy. Yeah. I hear that a lot from so many developers that it's not just obviously hooray, I get to be in retail and there's a bit of extra money there, but it's also just genuinely, they want a physical version of their game. Cause that's what they grew up with. They grew up with physical copies and they want one. Um, and that's sweet and lovely. And yeah, I can't wait to be holding your game in my hands. Love a bit of 3D platformers. Um, I, I mean, one of my favorite games in the last few years was A Hang Time. And when, when I finished that, I was just like, I could do with more of this immediately. I could, I just want more like classic 3D platformer goodness. Um, and I don't know if I've played one since then. 
I'm yeah. sure there have. I mean, there have they're been very, some. They're few and far between, though, aren't they? They really are. Yeah, they really are. Like really classic style um, 3D platformers. They they are few and far between. They have some sort of twists on them. Um, not to not to dig it in one, but I played ukulele. I didn't really like it that much. Um, the 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 first ukulele, the impossible lair one, which is more of a Donkey Kong Country sort of two point five D platformer. That one's really great. Mm. Everyone should buy that. That game rocked. But I, I wasn't that huge on the original um, ukulele. So yeah, even though we're seeing a little bit of a three D platformer resurgence, I still haven't played that many new ones, um, except for on the indie scene. That's sort of on itch to ire and game jar and stuff. There's there's lots of lovely little ones, but not like a big released one. I mean, unless you're talking about remakes which you know yeah. Spyro and Crash with the new Crash game coming out as well but I still don't I still see Crash as 2.5D platformers because they're not quite that like open explorable space that exactly. I would class Yeah yeah this they're 3D platformers I guess but not the sort of one that I have in my mind I'm th- yeah I'm thinking like Super Mario 64 and Sunshine and then Hat in Time and that kind of more open 3D platform, which is what your game is. Um, yeah. Drop you in a playground like and explore. That's yeah. exactly what I like. Yeah, exactly. And sort of mascot platformery goodness. Um, one of the reasons I like your game is because I just really like the characters. So Clive and Wrench, um, the name sort of makes sense and it sort of feeds into a lot of mascot platformer goodness. And all the character designs and the enemy designs and the worlds all look amazing. Um, it looks really fun. It's funny, it's one of those things I I realised the other day that because I go out of my way to make sure that every level has its own unique enemies and friendly NPCs and all that kind of stuff. So there's these one-off characters that, like, (laughs) this fully uh, designed and animated character that appears once for, like, two minutes. And I've spent a week of my life making it work. And people are just (laughs) going to run up to it, talk to it once, and that'll be it. (laughs) That's how development is, I guess, isn't it? It's these little passing moments that a lot of players might not notice, this took a long time. And they'll just run immediately past it. Like, I'll be playing games sometimes and to be looking at the scenery that is a one-off and just think, someone spent a week or two doing all this mm. and you can run past it in a second. Um, but you'd notice if yeah. it wasn't there, I suppose. That's the, yes. the takeaway. Yeah, if those details and those characters and those scenery bits weren't there, then then they would notice. But otherwise, you're just running past it or not really noticing um that's how it goes i suppose i enjoyed um i remember you posting uh like a cutscene thing you were doing with someone's one of the characters sat at a table or something and you were talking about making that cutscene. Mm. i don't know why but that that brings out to mind yeah those those cutscenes are such a good opportunity to get character across because obviously in the game uh it's quite well not difficult because you can you can get character through in animations but the animations mm-hmm. are functional more than they are an expression of the character's character a lot of the time yeah like, there's a fair amount you can do in a walk cycle to give a character a certain uh personality but when i'm working on the cutscenes, is uh, when i can you know you can really get some nuanced information in there which i kind of have to do because there's no spoken dialogue at all so it all has to be through action Right. Yes. Oh, so there's no, but there's written dialogue between. There's the written dialogue in the game, but the cutscenes are all like silent movie cartoon style. Ah, gotcha. Okay, that's cool. I like that. So yeah, it really is dependent on the animation, sort of getting the character across them. Yeah, 
and lots of lots of fun uh, workarounds like how do I get this character to explain something? Well, okay, she'll whip out a chalkboard and she'll draw it for them, which then ends up being a much more interesting thing than just saying something anyway. So it's like a personal challenge. It adds a lot of character to it and, and stuff. I like that. Um, I guess sort of for those that don't know, just sort of explaining what Clyburn Wrench is a bit more. Um, it's sort of a time-traveling 3D platformer um, with multiple sort of themed worlds inspired by Spider Dragon and Jack and Daxter and that sort of thing. Um, carries a lot of really good uh, mechanics that a lot of people like in those sort of worlds. So, so yeah, if you're into 3D platformers, this is a game that you want to tr- to look at. But I already see that you've already got a community of people that are already really hyped about this. Like, I've seen fan art. I've seen people talking about it and hyping it up. Oh, it's, um, so, it's so humbling when, when that stuff happens, you know, when off their own back people are coming to it and, you know, even even the feedback that's not so nice is really uh, positive mm. to me because mm-hmm. nobody's going to engage in something unless you know it actually resonated with them in some way. So that's really cool. Yeah, at least they care on some level, even if even if it's not the nicest thing in the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've just seen I've just seen there was a lot of positive response to this. People really hyped for it. They kind of get it already. Um, as I say, it's a really popular genre that hasn't been fully explored yet. Like there aren't that many titles. I mean, I was just today for my previous podcast speaking with um, Dave from New Blood, who are known for publishing sort of uh, old school first person shooters, like low polygonal shooters. And that's seen a boom recently. And there's thankfully a lot of games in that subgenre. So there's a lot of them. There's like 10 just this year. But mm. strangely for 3D platformers, it's just... It just hasn't happened yet, which is madness, really. I it's, have such a, a, it's such a huge thing. I have a bit of a theory for that. And I think it's mm. that first-person shooters have been around a little bit longer than 3D platformers have. Mm-hmm. And so the people who grew up playing those games are now just getting to the, like, the position in their careers where they can make decisions on what the studio's next game is going to be. And I get right. the feeling that in the next few years, that next sort of uh, generation of people that grew up like we did playing 3D platformers are then going to be in that position and suddenly be like, okay, well, this studio, we're doing a 3D platformer. I feel that coming on the horizon, or I hope. That does make sense, actually, because when you think of this sort of first-person shooter revival, and before that, we had sort of the pixel game revival with with Shovel Knight and a lot of pixel games Mm. coming up during the the indie boom and sort of the late noise. and then the, this this first person shooter revival recently, which is I guess sort of early mid nineties kind of games that people grew up in, and then three D platformers is more late nineties, early noughties was its sort of peak. So yeah, I guess maybe it's maybe it's time is a coming. Um, it could be wishful thinking, like that. Yeah, it could be wishful thinking, but um, but hopefully, hopefully, I mean, we've seen successes. We've seen Ukulele and the Crash remakes. I think the Crash remake success and the Spy remake success is really hopefully that has made a lot of publishers go, oh, my goodness, hold on a second here, and that we will start seeing more of them soon. Mm. Um, but, of course, it's nice to, for you to be ahead of the curve a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny, really, because I should be much further ahead of that curve than I am. Uh, I started doing it a decade ago, yeah. uh, which was well ahead of the curve, but it kind of feels like now I'm going to be just on that crest, which maybe is for the best, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've already. I, I guess 
using a hat in time as an example, that's kind of like piqued people's interest, I think, in more. It certainly has for me. Whereas that game sort of took the brunt of the risk of, oh, we're sort of reviving this sort of genre. And likewise for ukulele. And and I enjoyed it. And now I have a really strong taste for more of it. But there hasn't been more of it. So it's it's a it's a good time. It's a good it's a good time to come out. Mm. Um as you say though, like you started this almost a decade ago and has mostly been sort of a sole project, which I think would surprise most people by looking at your game and how good it looks. That's why it's taken ten years. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's taken ten years. Yeah, I mean speaking to a lot of indie developers, I assume this applies to you as well. They have the problem of if they're developing a game for so long their skills grow as they're playing as, as they're making it and then four years in we'll go oh this all looks like shit now like i've i'm gonna have to redo everything and they'll just redo so much so often have I, you had that problem yes I, it, quite literally in fact uh i think it was 2015 i basically scrapped everything and started again because <laughs> i'd gotten to the point where i was like absolutely everything in this game is trash and i can do it all better so I, I basically I kept the main like ideas and the seeds of ideas and just started over, and it was precisely because of that. Oh dear! Suddenly, I'm a much better modeler, animator, yeah. uh, level designer, etc., than I was when I started. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's been three distinct eras of <laughs> this game that still isn't out. Oh, you mean like three? Com- there's been like two complete rehashes. Pretty much, yeah. It's it. It looked like a PS One game to begin with. Uh, then mm-hmm. it slowly evolved into like PS Two era, and now it's where it is. Where it's kind of, I don't know, it's floating around. Maybe like late PS Two, early PS Three kind of. People are gonna divide it like that. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of the third iteration. But I like that though. I, I mean, it's always I, I hear it so often with indie devs where that becomes a problem where they just feel and they have to kind of tell themselves okay i just need to start like I, of course i'm still progressing i just i, I can't remake everything else it's never going to be finished i just have to get on with it now um which i guess as, as a sole developer like having to manage yourself as well is sort of a part that most people wouldn't consider as being difficult but you're having to manage for for, for, for most of the time anyway without a publisher most of those years you're having to completely manage yourself entirely like it's just you you have to manage when, when what bits you're doing what day and when it's happening and, when, and and all that sort of stuff has that been difficult for you because i imagine having developed it for so long it must have been tricky to see a sort of end site well yeah because for the longest time i was i was holding down a day job and it was kind of weekends evenings that kind of thing it was the only time i could spend on it so mm-hmm. uh it was a case of i'd spend the entire week uh thinking about what i could get done this weekend and i can't wait to do this and that and then by the time i got to the weekend and it was already sunday night and i'd only done 10 percent of what i'd hoped and that was <laughs> that was life for years and years and years uh but since i think about a year ago quitting and just developing it solely it became a bit easier to do that right never an issue of uh motivation but an issue mm-hmm. of i want to do more than one thing at a time but i only have two hands <laughs> so yeah, it's always yeah. a decision a choice between well i want to do this animation but i also want to do this bit of level design and i want to do uh, it was always it's more a case of there's too many things i want to do 
and having to manage what was a priority versus anything else. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've just read a lot of books about how um, about indie devs sort of reading, uh, um, making games that have taken them years, you know, and that it usually is a case of not lack of motivation, but lack of time, because obviously you still have to be doing a full time job and stuff like that, um, which is super tricky. Uh, but I'm glad that it, the horizon is nearby now. It's it's releasing in winter this mm-hmm. year, um, so it's 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 a coming. Um, how are you feeling about that? How are you feeling about the the launch being near? Uh, excited and exhausted in equal parts. <laughs> it's it's always those uh, moments of well, I could take a day off over the weekend. It would be nice to, but also I have this boss to finish. So I think I'll yeah. just do a little bit of work on that boss, and it's midnight. Okay, never mind. Oh dear, <laughs> but it's paying off because it looks really good. It looks really awesome. Yeah, and uh, it, I'm 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 genuinely super looking forward to playing the, the, it. Um, I'm massively excited for it. Um, I like all the different worlds. Um, very specifically, the one that looks like it's based on the Toy Story Two game on the PS One definitely heavily inspired by but not based on for legal <laughs> yeah inspired reasons. by of course um <laughs> but yeah yeah that looks uh amazing because i feel that that game is not people do not remember that game well even though it was bloody amazing the toy story 2 game on ps1 it's, it's always really odd to me because that that era of platformers had so many strong licensed mm. games mm-hmm. and the sort of cultural zeitgeist remembers Crash and Spyro, and Jack and Daxter, and Ratchet and Clank, and Sly Cooper, and then that's basically it. Mm-hmm. Like the majority of people might, when prompted, go, "Oh, I remember that Toy Story game," or "Or I remember that Monsters Inc. game," or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. it's not the thing that springs to mind for most people. But for me, it was always one of like that Toy Story Two game was way too good. It was better than it had any right to be. <laughs> it really was, yeah. It was amazing. The soundtrack was good. The soundtrack was amazing. So, and, and it didn't sound anything like the film either, which mm. was always uh, always made it stand out in my head because it was a game based on a movie, but it didn't really recycle anything except like movie clips as cutscenes. It was all like brand new stuff. Locations yeah. were mostly scratch made. All of that kind of stuff. Yeah, licensed games did that a lot back then, where they they'd be licensed, but they would just be doing whatever they wanted to do, and it wouldn't be based on a film per se. It would just be new levels and new content, and I think there was a lot less worry about what is and isn't canon in in for IPs back then, and maybe companies took gaming a little bit less seriously. Yeah, so they were very happy right. to just license out, and they could kind of do whatever. Whereas nowadays. If, if there was going to be a Toy Story game or, or any licensed game, it's so heavily controlled by the IP owner um, to make sure it fits in with the canon and all that sort of thing. Mm. Which is a shame, really, because a lot of the freedom's gone. And we, I mean, we just don't get that many licensed games anymore. Um, we have, like, outright games, and that's about it. Or mobile um, games. Or mo- yeah, I guess it's all moved over to mobile. That's the thing. I guess because that's where kids are playing. Yeah, that's where they're playing. Like, it's easier to... Oh, I've just seen Despicable Me. I'm going to type despicable me into the app store and oh look there's a minion runner you know yeah um i guess it makes sense it makes sense and so why it's happened um but it is a bit of a shame because uh, people seem to have a negative view on licensed games for some reason oh. uh, especially in the past like oh licensed games are always shit but they they weren't 
Um, as you, like the two examples you brought up a minute ago, like Toy Story Two was amazing. I really loved that Monsters Inc. platformer when right. I was a kid, and it was a I loved it was that. a prequel. It was a game about Mike and Sally being trained to be scarers. It was such yeah. a cool concept. Yeah, and this is before Monsters University existed, of course. So yeah. there was, so this, you know, there wasn't that tied to it. And I remember you you would scream at these robots, these robots that made really weird noises. They go, <laughs> yeah. I remember that? I don't yeah. know why I remember that. In a, in a, in a, it was a little sort of button mashing mini game, but it was in a very yep. ape escape kind of style. You'd chase them around the level and then stop them and scare them. <laughs> Yeah, that was it. I really loved that game. I, I don't. It's one of those things that I'm not sure I'll ever go back and play because maybe it hasn't lived up very well, and the image in my mind is probably a bit better than the game was. So I'll leave it there. But I, yeah, I loved that game when I was a kid, genuinely. And I think my mum played that. I think my mum liked that game as well. So cool, cool mum. Cool, she is a cool mum. She is. Yeah, she, I, I remember. Um, I'd always have mates come over and be completely surprised by the game she'd be playing. She'd be playing like Devil May Cry or Kingdom Hearts, and they'd be like, "What? Your mum? <laughs> your mum plays Kingdom Hearts? What? Huh? Um, <laughs> which you know, is always I, great." I had a very, it was very similar for me as well. My mum playing games like, uh, well, specific medieval. She was playing that, and that got me into mm. playing games as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, my history of games is very... I mean, obviously, as opposed to most people, is my parents, but not simply because they bought them, but because they were playing them. My yeah. dad would... My, my my background in games is DOS games, so I grew up on PC because mm -hmm. my dad worked in computing, so I, I, I grew up really early on, like the age of three, four, playing DOS games. I think I finished the first Doom when I was maybe six or seven, which perhaps I shouldn't have, but I did. <laughs> um and yeah, so that was my background with my dad sort of being Dustin's. But my mum would play PS1, PS2. For some reason, she never got into consoles after that. I'm not sure what, I'm not sure why. Um, she plays like a Switch now for Animal Crossing and stuff. But but she, in the PS1, PS2 days, she would just be playing everything I was playing. Mm. You know, yeah, Digimon World and Kingdom Hearts and Devil May Cry and stuff. She loved it all, um, which is great. It was good to have that um, experience of just being able to... I, I, I probably watched her play games as much as I played games. So I would just sit downstairs and just watch her play games. And that was fine for me, which is kind of why I get why people watch Let's Plays and speedruns, And I still watch all that myself. I, I don't like when people say, oh, it's, oh, why would you watch people play a game instead of play it? Because it's a different experience. But it's always to be that active. It's always struck me as the same thing as, you know, people who play sports and then go home and watch sports exactly. on TV. Like, what's the difference? <laughs> it's, it's yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. That's always the comparison I make. It's it's just a different experience. Like one you're interacting with and it's very active and you have to think the other you can just sit and not and um, watch it. <laughs> I still do both. I do both. And um, I'm not sure where this tangent's going. But yeah, but yeah, that, those sort of early licensed 3D platformers, um, I loved them. Toy Story and, and Monsters, Inc. and the Tarzan PS1 game which is like a Donkey Kong Country ripoff. I guess not really a 3D platformer, but that rocked. Yeah. That was amazing. And, and on that, that same line, the Hercules PS1 game was really similar yep. as well. Like 2D yep, animated sprites on a 3D background. Yeah, the, the Disney... People sort of remember for Disney games, they for some reason will remember the SNES stuff. They'll remember you know, Goof Troop. They'll remember DuckTales and um, the Lion oh. King game, the mm. Aladdin game. But the, their PS1 era was really good and it is often overlooked with, with Tarzan and Hercules and stuff. Um, there was even a yeah. uh, an Emperor's New Groove game, which was basically a Spyro-type <laughs> thing where you played as 
uh, Cusco running around in his llama form. That was pretty good. Oh gosh, I didn't play that. I should have. Uh, do you know what? So, genuinely, at some point, I'm going to go back and just replay all of these. Like, I imagine they're not that long. I could just get through them, and it would be a blast. Still, um, I still I regularly play that. through these games. I'm really sad. Like, I, <laughs> I have, I've, I've, it's I've, research. It's work. Well, that is there is also that, um, and that is also kind of the curse of it is that I can't now sit down and play a game without also be like analyzing everything. And right. I'm, I'm playing through and going, why is the character's jump arc like that? And having to remind myself that it doesn't matter. I should be just enjoying the game. <laughs> I think that's the problem with everyone in the games industry, uh, regardless of sort of what area you're in, is is making your passion your job mm. changes it forever. It's a double like, sword, so, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It really is. So, so obviously I've worked in video games journalism, and when I was in journalism, if I was just trying to play a game for fun, I couldn't do it because I'd be like, I can't just sit and play this game because I've got games I need to be reviewing. Oh. So I wouldn't end up playing games for fun. I would just end up because it would feel like a waste of time. Like, oh, I shouldn't be playing this. I should be reviewing something. And, and when I'm reviewing games, I'm not playing as I usually would because I'm pausing all the time to take notes. That's just how I do it. So I would pause all the time to take notes. It's a very different play experience. Um and sort of now in, in, in PR and marketing and stuff, I'm sort of uh, a little bit easier for me to just be able to relax. But I'm looking at, I'll see Switch games go, oh, this is promising. This is, <laughs> oh, and I'll sort of make notes about it and be like, oh, oh, maybe we should pick this up and that sort of stuff. So, mm. uh, and, and, and differently for developers like yourself, where you say that if you're playing a 3D platform now, you're going, look at that jump arc. How is, oh, look at those. I wonder how many frames are in that jump. And oh, hmm. it just changes it forever, really. Um, but yeah, that's the danger, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I do need to go back and play some of those early 3D platformers, um, those licensed ones. Um, I did well, want to briefly touch on the Muppets game, which yeah. I know you. I think it's literally in your Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. I'm championing. In fact, I even did a, a little uh, mock-up recently of what a remake of that game in modern days would be. Uh, we're talking about Muppet Monster Adventure for anyone that's, that's it. unaware. Um, and yeah, that that's like the perfect example of a licensed game from that era that practically nobody remembers. And yet yeah. whenever I give it to somebody to play fresh, you know, whether they know something about it or not, I haven't had a single person come back to me and not say, why did that not get popular? It's such a fun game. It was like Spyro and Crash had a baby. And, oh, yet, and and it's it's one of those things that I can never understand because it's basically it's a toss up between that and medieval as to what is my favorite game ever. And oh like, wow, really? It's that high up. It's for like you. really, it's that high up for me because I've always loved the Muppets and like I grew up with the Muppets and I grew up mm. with 3D platformers. So of course, when those two things merged into one, I grew up with that as well. Um, yeah, but. I've sort of always played it, and I, I guess I kind of assumed at some point that I would realize how flawed it was and go, yeah, maybe it's not as good as I remember, but it is as good as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're ever looking for a new, old 3D platformer to play, that is the one I would recommend. I am I'm genuinely going to put this on my backlog, because as we're talking, I'm kind of sneakily watching trailers for it and stuff. And yeah, it does look like... It looks like Spyro, basically. It kind of look, it kind of looks like it plays like... Well, I'm watching anyway. looks mm -hmm. like it plays like Spyro. I think I may have played maybe a demo of this when I was a kid or something. 
I have very vague memories of it, but I don't think I ever played it all the way through. Um, yeah, I want to play that now. <laughs> Good. Um, I'm going to put that on my backlog, try and get through it perhaps this year. Um, that's the thing. Like, there's there's something about those kind of games that's just it's just so it's just so fun like those collectathons and what I, what I like about 3D platformers and and this applies to Clive and Wrench as well even just from trailers and, and and the little bit that I've played of it it's one of those things where i feel like you couldn't possibly be unhappy while playing it cuz it's just so colorful and 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 friendly and it's like it occupies your head with its with its collectathoniness and it's just i'm looking at muppet monster adventure i'm looking at clive and wrench and i'm thinking it's just pure joy. Like, I don't know how I could feel unhappy playing this kind of game. Yeah, see, to me, it's exactly, it's like comfort food. Yeah. It's like, if it's a 3D platformer, I know I can sit down and it's going to be fun and I can kind of switch off and just enjoy the experience. It's not going to be, you know, a, a long, deep narrative that's going to make me question my existence. It's just like mm-hmm. cartoony characters running around, picking stuff up. You know, it's not, it's, you can just forget your worries for five minutes, which is yeah, something that's rare to find. It really is. Like, not that there's a problem with with platformers that have a story. That's fine, but it it always it seems odd to me when people will nitpick at like a Super Mario game for not having a good story. It's like I'm not, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not playing Super Mario Odyssey for its plot. I'm <laughs> yeah, playing it because yeah. I because I can jump around a lot and collect little moons. That's what yeah. I'm playing it, and because. Because just running, just the act of moving your character is fun, and in a yes, lot of games, yeah. a lot of games, it doesn't need to be true, but it's not true. Like I've never mm-hmm. picked up a third-person shoot and thought, "Oh, this is fun. I love just running in circles." But then mm-hmm. you pick up Mario Odyssey, and you run in a circle and go, "Wow, that's why is this fun? This is just charming, and I want to exist in this world," you know. <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing perhaps more so than any other genre platforming is so it's so dependent on its mechanics being absolutely bloody perfect like watching and reading about celeste um as a really good obviously it's a 2d platform not a 3d platformer um but just watching and reading about that and how they had to make sure that the the jumps are frame perfect and how how they intentionally developed there to be a little bit of leniency so if you jump and it's not quite on the right frame it doesn't matter we'll let you do it and stuff like that like watching those videos and reading up on on how that how those mechanics are made is is incredibly interesting just to me um because it's jumping and it's walking around that it's existing whether it's 2d or, or in a 3d space it's so mechanically orientated and because i guess it, it usually isn't dependent on a story that it just has to feel really good it has to feel really good to walk to jump to move the camera to roll and, and all that stuff oh. um which I, I imagine is difficult to, to, to do, but um, it sounds like you genuinely have gone back and, and, and played a lot of previous games to see what they've got right. I mean, yeah, to the point of I'd record myself doing every move in the game and then I'd pull it into <laughs> Vegas or something and literally analyse it frame by frame and figure out, oh, well. okay, this game, this is my favourite jump in any game. Why is Why does it <laughs> feel so good? You know, what speed is it? How many frames is it? How long is it until you hit, reach the peak? How far? Like all of that kind of stuff. And mm. I've basically taken like my favorite jump from one game and then my favorite run from another game and my favorite belly flop from another game 
and just sort of combined them into a move set that complements itself. And that's mm. exactly how basically everything is approached. It's just kind of like, what's the best part about this game? Okay, well, I'll um, liberally uh, take inspiration from that aspect. Mm-hmm. That's and, what a genre is, anyway. There's no that's yeah. every every genre does that shares ideas and stuff. There's no no harm in that. Um, but yeah, that's that sounds like a really good way of approaching it. Just like taking the best aspects of the of, of the games that you like and, and and what they do best and stuff. Um, and from the from the little that I have played of Climbing Wrench. The one thing I came—I mean, the two things I came away from it really were that a I, I liked the look of it. I thought it was great. It was it was colourful and cheerful, and I liked the character designs. It was it was it looked awesome. Um, but that, but also B, which I guess is really important for the platform, is it felt really good to play. Um, and this was maybe I guess I must have, this must have been a year ago, um, so I don't know how how far it's come from there. But it felt really good to play, um, which for uh, frankly for a lot of indie. Uh, platformers is, is 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 a tricky one. It's a really tricky one. A lot of them don't don't feel that sort of fine tuned in the mechanics. It's definitely like definitely the hardest thing to get mm. right, I think. But also for this genre, in my opinion, the most important because you are engaging with those mechanics throughout your entire playtime. So if they're not spot on and they don't feel good then might as well not bother with the rest of the game because, you know, it's not like I'm going to be able to make up for uh, a character that doesn't feel fun to play as if the environments are pretty because mm-hmm. ultimately mm-hmm. no one's going to ever see the environments if getting to them isn't fun, you know? Yeah. But it's, yeah, yeah it's absolutely. super difficult. And I'm sure I'm sure there are plenty of people that would <laughs> play Clive and say, well, you definitely haven't got this right. But um, it's one of those things that's constantly tweaked. Like, yeah, if you played it, yeah, it must like you say, it must have been over a year ago. Since then, because yeah. I've been, because there's, I have like uh, alpha testers through Patreon, and yes, uh, yeah. So there's constant streams of feedback. Um, there's people streaming the game, so I can like watch how other people play and get a really mm-hmm. good. Because there's, there's something really. Um, really helpful about passively watching somebody play your game versus Mm -hmm. uh being in the room with them because in the room somebody it's difficult for somebody to say to you this feels terrible you know people yeah of course ultimately people want to be nice to each other so they're always Mm -hmm. very complimentary and they focus on the good stuff whereas you watch somebody playing it who doesn't know that you're going to be watching them and suddenly Mm -hmm. they can go oh this is terrible this feels awful and I can then write a little note and go back and change that quietly. And then the next mm-hmm. time they play it, maybe they won't feel the same way. Yeah, it's sort of, it's strange because obviously you want people to say positive things about your game, but you don't because <laughs> you need to know what what's wrong, like what what feels wrong. And yeah. so, yeah, I guess if you have a stream that's going, oh, this, this role is fucking shit, then you're like, oh, good to know. I'll, no- I'll note down that fucking shit. Great, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've even had moments <laughs> where somebody was playing through a section and I noticed that they uh, kept uh, missing something that I thought was obvious. So sort of yeah, as right. I'm watching them play it, I'm tweaking the level so that the next time <laughs> it's already fixed. By the time they've finished playing it, it's fixed. That's incredibly helpful. And I don't think that's something that is was really ever possible until very recently. Like mm. you could have a, a focus group of testers but it would have to be like an arranged setup thing. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas, you know, watching somebody completely unprompted play through something without them even knowing you're watching mm -hmm. is incredibly uh, useful. Yeah, it's a really it's a really good idea actually that you kind of effectively crowdsourced your QA because it's 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 sort of the best of all worlds really because obviously you're a sole developer you can't get in like a whole team worth of QA to sit and play a game for for a year, um, but also you're kind of giving something to the community and that they get to play this game early and and be a part of it, and they're posting videos and stuff so doing a little bit of marketing as well, and and then also giving you feedback giving you feedback on on, on how the game works so it's it's a it's a really good idea it's like a best of a lot of worlds sort of rolled up into one there yeah i mean it works it worked out really and it is working out really nicely although i must admit to begin with when the idea came about i didn't quite know morally how i felt about it because right. I'm, I'm always the kind of person like as somebody who did uh graphic design for a number of years i appreciate the value of you know paying somebody for their work like if an artist mm -hmm. does artwork for you, I feel they should be paid. It shouldn't be, you know, one of those, I'll pay you in exposure or whatever. Of course. And that's always been a passion, a passionate point of mine. So the idea of people paying to get access to effectively test the game was, was something I, sh I wrestled with for a while. But enough people sort of came to say that they felt they were getting, you know, the experience of being part of it and to play the game was enough of a uh, an exchange that it didn't feel like it was uneven. So Absolutely, yeah. It's a different scenario to the obviously the the whole uh, I pay you an exposure thing with 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 artists is a problem and it's ridiculous. But this is this yeah this doesn't seem like that because it's 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 a voluntary sort of. Uh, patreon and whatnot and and they're getting out of it what they want and are told that they'll get out of it so there's no there's you know they're not not getting what they it's not a surprise to them they know what they're getting out of it which is early access to these levels and stuff and and that's what they want yeah. um so yeah it seems like a sort of win-win situation really yeah yeah I, i'd like to think so and it's certainly i mean the game would not be anywhere near as uh quote unquote good as it is now without mm. those people and they're sort of genuine feedback. So mm -hmm. I'm very thankful for it. And I'm very uh, thankful for the position that has afforded me to do that. I think it's one of the better things about sort of modern gaming and gaming sort of being intertwined with the internet. Obviously, that comes with its own problems as well. But one of the positives is is this really close contact with you, with your fan base with your players that simply didn't exist in the 90s and noughties and whatnot whereas now you can just easily talk to them over twitter and discords and stuff and they can just play your game as it's being made and tell you what they think and and sort of build this fan community and sort of feel like they're part of it as it's going along and that's like one of the nicer things about modern gaming i i, I feel is that sort of much closer connection between players and developers yeah i mean like i remember as a as a kid you pick up a magazine and a game just existed out of nowhere and it's coming out yeah. in a few months and it was you didn't i mean i suppose as a as a child you probably don't anyway but you don't consider that the game didn't just suddenly exist there were all of these people behind it you know, every mm -hmm. single person involved with that is the reason that it is where it is today 
So it, yeah, like you say, it's really nice that now people can, or at least people have the opportunity to appreciate all of the people that make the things that they like, rather than just seeing it for the first time and you know never considering that. It's nice. Of course, yeah. it comes with its own um, downfalls as well in certain places. Yes, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, totally. But it's always going to be a give and take. Um, I remember a little bit off off topic, I suppose, but I remember when I was a kid. Um, as uh, to prove a point of how it felt very much that games just existed in and they just were. I remember um, if if we would get if me or my mum or whoever would get stuck in a game, really stuck, and it felt like it wasn't really our fault. It was just that we were stuck. We would something my mum would always say is, "Well, that you must be able to do it because otherwise they wouldn't have released it. Like then you can't be stuck because it's released." And now I know that's garbage. That's nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of older games where there were bugs and problems and legitimate complete blockages. Um, but back then it was like, well, you must be able to do it. There must be an answer because otherwise it couldn't exist, could it? Yeah. Um, but there's like famous examples of games where you would walk through a locked door and then, uh, what game is this? There's a specific game I'm thinking of where uh, you would walk through a locked door and then what? it would say, and then you could die and it would save before the doors locked and it would completely just lock you out. I'm pretty sure that happened in uh, Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy, if you've ever played that. It might be that. Do you know what? I think it might be that. <laughs> well, it's games like that. Yeah. I think it literally is that. And it can just lock you out entirely. Yeah. And that's it. You're going to have to reset the game. And I would, I, I can't remember which games, but I remember having examples of situations like that when I was a kid that I was never able to get past. And we were just insistent on, well, that must be my fault <laughs> because it's, it exists. It's a game that exists. It was often just getting sort of you stuck in geometry, like you jump on a rock and fall behind it and then you can't get out. And it's those Yeah, moments. but as a kid, I wouldn't put that down to being a bug. It wasn't a problem no. with the game. It was, well, I've, I've, I have done something wrong here. <laughs> It'd be nice if people thought that today, to be honest. No, 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 no it's not <laughs> yeah. my game that's buggy. It's just you're not very good. That's all it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's what? You, you, you glitch through the wall. You you must have pressed X at the oh that's not supposed to happen you weren't supposed to do that yeah I like that I wonder if that would go down well I mean maybe I could get away with it I suppose uh, the Assassin's Creed series they get away with that and just say well you know you're you're in an animus <laughs> it's not real so there will be glitches it's oh that's what you want you want to have a story reason for it yeah. that's what you want oh Clive and Wrench it's time travel Demen oh you're, you've got stuck in between two different dimensions there that's what's happened you haven't glitched to the wall it's you've a, got it's stuck in between two ending. dimensions <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah I kind of like how uh, just 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 I kind of like how a lot of your levels so there's 11 levels if I'm right there's 11 different levels in Clive 11 Wrench. worlds 11 worlds yes more levels than that yeah Gotcha. And each one has like a different theme. But what I like is there's a lot of really original themes there. Like it's not here's a fire world and a forest world and an ice world. You've got you've got your, your sort of western themed world, the chimp, the bad and the bunny. You've got the um, the sort of shrunk down world. Um, I like all that. I, I, I'm, I'm digging all those themes. And I also really appreciate the sort of very rare style puns. <laughs> that you've named the world the worlds after oh yeah absolutely well i that's kind of my humor in a nutshell would be awful dad jokes and puns so <laughs> the game is riddled with them to the point that uh characters sometimes 
exist purely because I thought of a pun. Uh, for example, <laughs> uh, Vlad the Impala is an impala, mm-hmm. which is a kind of deer, and uh, he exists purely because I thought it was a hilarious pun, and so then Brilliant. spent the next several weeks <laughs> making that a reality. <laughs> um, I like that. I like that approach. Pun first, reason afterwards. Absolutely. Um, I like the bunny, I shrunk the chimp, especially. Yeah, that's the one. Very nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, I, I see a lot of that, like, and that, that humor and that sort of style and that sort of, sort of colorful whimsy really suits this genre. Um, if, if, if people haven't seen this game, even just looking at a trailer of this, you'll completely get it. Like you'll get what this game's about. You'll get its vibe and what it's going for. And if you're going, and if you are going to like this kind of game, you'll be sold like through that trailer. Um, yeah, it just looks really awesome. And as I say, I like that. I like there's a physical version coming. Um, you've even got a special edition um, with the badges and stuff, which looks really awesome. Yeah. And those um, badges are you know, great. I've, I've, I've held them in my hands and they're really nice. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's so cool that a game like this can get a special edition. Like that's awesome. As I say, like even even a big hit like a hand time didn't get a physical release for ages after it came out. Um, so they just immediately have like a physical release and oh, a special edition physical release. Um, at launch is amazing and i can't wait to have those yeah well um, i certainly never thought that would that would happen uh i'm sure it did, really. yeah it was like what do you what do you mean we can do that <laughs> how this is my yeah. first game why you know but yeah it looks awesome it's, it's it's a nice little thing to have and um i'm sure people are going to dig it like there's such a there's such a huge community of people that love this kind of game um that I expect that they'll get really behind it and, and, and show it the support it deserves. And hopefully they will. Um, so I guess we'll wrap up. Do you want to tell people where they can find you, where they can find Clive and Wrench and all that good stuff? Uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, you can, well, you can pre-order the game as we're talking about that uh, on Numskull Games website. They've got a nice concise list of uh, everywhere you can get it from. Uh, Clive and Wrench, if you search on like any social media on YouTube, wherever it's all, uh, very easy to find and then uh mm-hmm. probably the best place if you want frequent updates would be uh twitter and i'm at classic gj on there and basically like twice weekly i tend to post videos of what i'm working on or uh some other thing about the game cool yeah that's one thing i always liked that you would post like random gifs about the development and stuff and you've been quite open about the development um, which has been really interesting to me, just as as just as a fan, just as a player, that's been really interesting to me. Well, it, it kind um, of became my um, my way of diarising the development. Like you can scroll mm. through my Twitter history to 2011 and basically see the game evolve in real time, almost. And I liked that that sort of thing. Yeah, as someone that cares a lot about like sort of video game preservation and history and stuff, I really like to see that all documented. Um, that's really cool. Um, so yes, I'm looking forward to your game. I'm looking forward to playing it. Um, despite not being involved in more, I'm genuinely really excited for it. Um, and I'm also looking forward to playing Muppet Monster Adventure, which I absolutely must get on. Yes, and you, you I, I require you to come back to me and tell me how much you loved it, what you did. <laughs> All right then. Or I, come I, back I, to I'll me and tell me, you, <laughs> tell me you didn't like it and then we'll never talk again. That's it. We'll have to unfollow each other and that'll be the end of it. Yep. Done. Friendship over. Curly That's fair enough. I friend. can't blame you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um thank you very much for coming on and talking. Uh genuinely really look forward to your game. Thank you. Please go check it out. 
Um, and maybe in many years' time, we can come back and talk about the sequel to the Muppet Great Adventure that is undoubtedly going to happen one day. Oh, well, I need to convince Disney to let me remake it first. So that's there we go. We'll do oh, that. that would be so good. <laughs> that would be really good. Um, cool. Anyway, yeah, thank you very much for, for coming on. Um, and I shall catch you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hi, thanks for listening. If you liked this podcast, you can support it i.e. me, on www.patreon.com slash toadsanime. For just $1 or more a month, you will get a shout-out at the end of each podcast, which is coming up in a second. Or for $3 a month, you'll get access to four episodes early a month. That means you'll be getting each episode three days before public release. Ooh, aren't you special? Ooh, you. And obviously, every episode features a different guest from the video games industry, and it will help support me getting cool guests and making it feel like it's a really good use of my time. Let's pretend it is. So thank you so, so much to anyone and everyone that even looks at the Patreon for even a second. And thank you to Ryan Winter, Joe Sheedy, Gregory Kroll, Andy Robertson, Stephen Bolton, Lee Chapman, Gregory Phillips, Chris Wood, Corey Class, EMH Richard, Francisco Limus, Thomas and James Coop for backing me on Patreon so far. Thank you so, so much.